I could be moving from my office to being one of those absolute degenerates that smells like moldy cheese and death. Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. El Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's like the main character. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, and I am joined by Adam Gorney and Mike Farrell, the stars of the show. It was a big weekend in college football, guys. Uh, a lot of a lot of upsets. We had a big game with Georgia, Florida, and we'll so we'll start there, Mike. Um, let me get your takeaways from that game. Let's talk about the cocktail party, Gorney. Big cocktail the world's party. largest, the yeah. world's largest outdoor cocktail the party. The balance yeah. of the Georgia offense was impressive. They ran the ball well, <clears throat> but especially throwing the ball. Jake Fromm coming off a really poor performance against LSU had a very, very good game against uh, Florida, and that's a tough defense. I know they lost C.J. Henderson early, but uh, that's a tough pass defense as well. But he completed a lot of passes on third down, a lot of key uh, conversions for first downs, and Georgia just eventually was the better team. You know, as long as he can get those wide receivers uh, involved and the running game is steady, it's going to be really hard for anybody to take care of uh, Georgia, you know, short of Alabama or somebody like that. Yeah, it was an impressive performance. And, and Gary Danielson said something, and I don't normally agree with him, but I did on Saturday when he said, you know, Kirby has been doing a good job with Fromm. Um, you know, he did, he did a great job transitioning from Jacob Eason to Jake Fromm. I, I thought that went rather smoothly, especially for Fromm and how he, he came in and, and led them to the national championship game. And then after a poor game at LSU, he didn't start throwing Justin Fields in, in the first quarter. They weren't on again, off again with Fromm. It was clear this was Fromm's offense. He was going to have the ball in his hands. And I think it helped him, you know, just being comfortable when, when you play those two quarterback systems, a lot of times you're a a little bit gun shy and hesitant to uh, to make a play because you don't want to make a mistake. And this way, he was comfortable. He knew it was his offense, his team. He was going to ride them against Florida, and I thought they did a great job. That defense is nasty. The offense is very good when moving. You know, they looked like a little bit of a different offense than LSU, where they really couldn't do anything. So, um, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party was a little bit of a bore after a while because Georgia started pulling away. Definitely the best team in the SEC East. They play Kentucky this weekend for the SEC East Championship, and I just can't see that Kentucky team. That defense is also very, very good, um, but I think just Georgia has the four and five stars and Kentucky has the three stars. Um, but really the most interesting thing, Mike, is that even when you're talking, even when the, the podcast is being introduced, that that keyboard is going, man. You burn, you burn up your fingers all day long. You are such a hard worker. <laughs> talking about me <laughs> yeah what, what is going on in the background right now what do you is someone like, did, did you did you buy a taping you to your chair you typewriter you hearing something what are you hearing we're hearing like you're pounding away at the keys like you're just like you got a hammer and you're just going to town well i got stuff to do i mean i can't <laughs> set my life around this podcast do you, do you have to hit the, to do you have to hit the keys so hard? I'm an angry person. I have to hit the computer keys that hard. It's are you tight? Are you, it's a, that out. Are you it's like a, it's like an old keyboard. I mean, an old typewriter where you hear the ding and you have to push the thing back and start pounding well, that's on what it. I work, that's what I write on. I don't write on a computer. It's an old typewriter. 
<laughs> I am old school. So I'm already getting questions. Should Justin Fields transfer? What do you think? Boy? No, absolutely not. Right, he's, I'm getting questions. I'm getting a lot of he's questions. He's the quarter. He's incredibly talented. The the one thing that with Justin Fields that has been strange is when he gets in the game, they don't let him throw the ball, and I don't understand why because he's a very talented passer. He's much more of a of a. He looks like a guy, you know, the, the dual threat quarterback type that can't throw at this level. But he he's very, very good. I'm obviously not going to say he's Trevor Lawrence, but he's definitely the second best quarterback in this class. Um, it's the best thing for him not to be playing right now for his long-term future. There's absolutely no reason to put him on the field now for him to make mistakes. He can sit on the sideline, learn under Jake Fromm. Uh, he will then play for a year or two and go to the NFL and the NFL won't have any bad throws for for them to dissect. So it's per, it's perfect. All these guys who think that they should come in, even like JT Daniels, who has been, you know, the offensive play calling has been so poor, and th- those players give very little care about what's going on on the field, obviously. Um, but he has, I think, eight touchdowns and seven interceptions this year. Every one of those bad bad throws is going to be dissected. So do you want to come in and play early? Well, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, and the NFL is going to look at that. So the best thing for Justin Fields' long-term future is to sit behind Jake Fromm and not have a lot on your resume going to the NFL. How bad does it look right now that ESPN had uh, Justin Fields number two and Trevor, Trevor Lawrence number two and Justin Fields number one? How bad does that look right now? Yeah. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence is it, – it looks bad. And I'm not one to rip other people that do this because it's difficult enough and – uh, you know, we rip see them, them Come on, plenty. Rip them. Rip them. Um, but I will say this. Trevor Lawrence has more touchdowns and fewer interceptions than any quarterback in the ACC now. So uh, not just more touchdowns. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He is phenomenal. Going to Tallahassee, and that environment was not all that good. It seemed like every, every single person in the stands knew that Clemson was going to come in and thump him really bad, and they did, and, and, and for many reasons of which we can talk about. Um, but Trevor Lawrence is so good. He, he had great numbers there. Uh, he has phenomenal receivers, but, uh, you know, he, every ball he throws is almost perfectly placed. And that's what we saw at high school. And sometimes on the high school level, you're like, well, this is high school. Let's see if he does that against, you know, elite cornerbacks at the next level, but he's doing it there. It's amazing that this kid still has two years to play, um, at Clemson because, you know, he is becoming, um, you know, maybe the best quarterback in college football right now. Uh, Tua is up there, uh, but Tua, Tua takes a little risky shot sometimes, but he puts the ball on the money. Justin Herbert is certainly sliding uh, after his last two performances, and uh, Trevor Lawrence could be right there with the best of them in the country, and that's wow. amazing because he didn't even start this season. I'm going to tell you this right now. The most talented quarterback in the country by far is Trevor Lawrence, by far. I did my right. Feral 50 last week. I try not to include freshmen, so Rondell Moore didn't make it. Trevor Lawrence didn't make it. But when I do my final one, Trevor Lawrence is going to be very high. I mean, it's yeah. just, you can't deny the fact that he has the most talent. When you watch the throws he makes, when you watch the, the quick release, everything you see about him, the mobility, the ability to throw on the run, the way he reads defenses, it, it screams of Peyton Manning. That's who he reminds me of physically. But when you're talking about arm strength and talent, it's John Elway. And I wrote about that today. If anybody wants to read my amazing, amazing column on the front page of Rivals.com. But Trevor Lawrence is a legend. 
in the making. What we are seeing right now, what we saw in high school that nobody paid attention to, what we're seeing right now, what we're going to see in the NFL, we're going to see the next Tom Brady, the next Peyton Manning. We're going to see the next great quarterback, barring injury. If he gets injured, all bets are off. But there's no way this kid can fail. He's going to be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. And he is just that outstanding where I would take him over Herbert. I would take him number one in the in the draft this year. In 2019, if I had a choice between Joey Boza and Christian Wilkins and Ed Oliver and all those guys, I would take Trevor Lawrence if he was eligible in a second. That's, that's amazing. Dave, save these audio clips because uh, either one day Mike will be paid off handsomely for these predictions or... Uh, he'll be exposed for for, no, for saying these things. I'm already exposed for my Patrick Mahomes take, which I said he was the biggest mistake of the draft when they traded <laughs> up to take him in, for the Chiefs. So I'm an idiot. There's no doubt about it. I didn't see Mahomes being this good. But Trevor Lawrence, I mean, when you look at him, and it's not being a smart analyst in any way, shape, or form. Anybody no, who watches this can look at this and say, wow, this kid's special. Yeah, he's 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 fantastic. I think it does help, and this is not taking anything away from Trevor Lawrence, but it does help that uh, he has a, maybe the f- second best, first best running back in the country, Travis Etienne, who continues to put up nice numbers. He has T. Higgins and Justin Ross, who's also looking like a future superstar for Clemson. And then he has a defense that is just pulverizing other offenses, so he's playing against tired defenses like every other series starting in the second quarter because teams are off the field in three plays all the time. But uh, Trevor Lawrence is fantastic. He's awesome. This is a Clemson team maybe two weeks ago we were like, I don't know, maybe this is a, the team that loses and and gets left out of the playoff. The ACC champ might not get in, this and that, whatever else. And now they look like they can play with Alabama. I think this team really could play with Alabama. And we can talk about Alabama, and we will, and they haven't played anybody yet, and they will this weekend probably. Um, they will definitely in the SEC championship game if Georgia beats Kentucky, um, and, and I think they're very good too. But this is a team that defensively has been phenomenal, not only in their front four, but across the board. How about Trey Lamar rumbling, stumbling, bumbling down the sideline with that interception on Saturday? Uh, offensively been awesome, coached incredibly well on both sides of the ball. Um, it's really just kind of fun to watch them because they're not just playing a lot of veteran guys. They have, you know, their best receiver is probably a freshman. Their quarterback's a freshman. Um, they're just really, really fun to watch, and they're very good all over the field. So let's get back to Georgia. Can they challenge Alabama? Can they challenge Alabama? Yes. I think Alabama is the best team in the country, but also a little bit of an unknown. Uh, the best team that they've played on their schedule so far has been Texas A&M. And Texas A&M couldn't do Jack, Jack, what can I say? They could do nothing Jack, against Jack Poop, Jack Poop against Mississippi State. So, um, you know, this is a team that, you know, went to South Carolina a couple weeks ago and only won by three points. Uh, Alabama pulled away and beat them by 22. Uh, you know, they just slipped by Kentucky and they scored 13 against Mississippi State, which also has... Maybe the best front four in, the, in college football. Um, but I don't know how much we know about Alabama right now. We'll see this weekend. They're going to be tested. Um, LSU is at night. That's always going to be a tough game. And we'll see if this Alabama team goes into Baton Rouge and wins 42-0, 42-10, then you know, I, I'm certainly convinced that Georgia might not be able to play with them 
um, because Alabama will just be too good. But Georgia's a good football team. I, you know, I think Fromm is, is steady. Their running game moves the ball. I'm worried about passing the ball against a team like Alabama. I, I'm not so sure that that's going to really pan out over an entire game. And the way Alabama wins is, you know, they put pressure on you, you make a mistake, they pounce, and then they they run away with it. So we'll see. I, 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 I would obviously take Alabama in that one game in Atlanta. Um, but they're, you know, beating a team twice is, is tough. I've always been a proponent of that. And uh, I, I, I just think Alabama will prevail this weekend and in the SEC championship and be the number one seed in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, probably so. So who wins Kentucky-Georgia? I think Georgia has a great chance here, obviously, with their balance, if they can run the football and Fromm plays the way he did this past weekend. Kentucky's defense is very good. I think it comes down to the quarterback play for them, whether they can – because they're, they're going to load the box against Benny Snell. They're going to try to stop the run and make the quarterback beat them. Um, I think Georgia's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. A lot of people think it's going to be a blowout. I don't see that. So Georgia – here, I'll give you the numbers here. Georgia opened as a 10-point favorite. I actually think that's a little high. Um, like you said, Kentucky's defense is very, very good. But their offense um, – you know, is very, very one-dimensional. So, so it's interesting. There's six. Or the early betters are the are the professionals. Uh, they jumped on the line at minus ten and pushed it down to minus nine and a half. Uh, so a lot of those guys are on Kentucky. Now that's not to say Kentucky's going to win the game. It's just that they're not going to lose by ten points. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I definitely think Georgia wins the game. Again, Kentucky's offense, Terry Wilson is not a very good quarterback. They don't have a lot of options at wide receiver. Benny Snell is basically, you know, their offense. Conrad catches some passes. I think he had the game winner against Missouri. That really laid another egg. I mean, they Drew Locke and that offense is not really humming right now. But in, in terms of Georgia-Kentucky, I think Georgia is just far superior. I think they'll be able to handle... Kentucky's defense and with the offense not moving the ball again Kentucky will make a mistake they'll have a turnover and much like the Georgia South Carolina game earlier this year I think Georgia starts pulling away later um, if I was if I was betting this game if I was Bill the betting man Trochi uh, I, I don't know I, I based on how those numbers look right now that's a Kentucky bet um, but I would not be surprised if Georgia wins this game 21-7 yeah, it could be. It'll, it probably won't be a high-scoring game. We know that. All right, so more teams on shine. Let's talk about Oklahoma State. Cowboys came to play. I predicted this as a loss for Texas because I'm what a about, genius. What about uh, Mike Dundee's post-game comments about Twitter being for the unemployed? Uh, it is. <laughs> Everybody I deal with on Twitter has to be unemployed because they have no lives. Yeah. All they yeah. do is insult me. But, uh <laughs> I like Gundy. He's an old school guy. And uh, I like the little riff there at the end between Herman and Gundy. That was kind of cool. Uh, but I predicted this would be a trap game. West Virginia yeah. was looming. Texas was coming off a bye. Oklahoma State's tough to win, tough to beat at home at night. Oklahoma yeah. State took it to them, really didn't trail in the game, and uh, really eliminated Texas from the playoff. So the, not a surprise to me. But this just shows that Texas is not ready for prime time. No, and and I think uh, I said a couple weeks ago I thought Texas was 
maybe a, a touch high at six in the country. I thought that started to get to the ridiculous level a little bit. Um, you know, Ellinger was back and, you know, the receivers were fine and stuff, but uh, I just don't think they're there yet. So I wasn't surprised to see Oklahoma State win, especially a night game there. Um, I was surprised to see Tom Herman go out onto the field and basically threaten Mike Gundy and Mike Gundy threaten him. I'm happy that they resolved their issues after the game. What was that um, about? So when <clears throat> so when Oklahoma State was kneeling the ball at the end of the game, uh, yeah, one of Texas, Texas defenders came in a little aggressively. Yeah, so Gundy comes onto the field to pull to what he says essentially pull his players away from the scuffle. Tom Herman thought Gundy was coming onto the field to attack his player. So Tom Herman went after Mike Gundy. You wonder, if, if in a ring, Tom Herman against Mike... you got to take Herman, right? No, I would take Gundy. You think? I think he's crazy. Yeah, it could be. He's got that hair. <laughs> the Brutus Beefcake hair. He does have the barber... Brutus the Barber Beefcake's hair. Yeah, I that's think he true. would kill him. <laughs> I don't know. Mike Gundy... He, uh, you know what I don't like? He, he wears that long sleeve like sweatshirt tucked in. It's not really a good look, but Stillwater is not exactly the home of, of fashion. You don't think? No, I, I don't think so. I, it doesn't come off to me as a place where fashion trends start. So the Big 12 is obviously screwed right now. Uh, yes, right now I think the Big 12 is screwed. If Notre Dame does not lose, and I continue to think Notre Dame is not going to lose... Um, the Big 12 is screwed. And the Pac-12 we know is done. Well, the Pac-12 as a conference is screwed because there's no good teams playing football in that conference. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just bad. But the Big 12 has good teams, but they just don't have anybody who can get to the playoff. Even if Oklahoma wins out and gets in a rematch with Texas somehow, they're not going to get in the playoff. Especially no, if they... Notre Dame wins out. I mean, Clemson, we assume Clemson's going to win out. No one's going to beat Clemson, right? Right. I, I don't think Virginia in the ACC championship game is going to no. give Clemson a run for their money. And I don't think Alabama's going to lose the way they look. Although LSU, what were they, 14 and a half point favorites or something? Alabama. Alabama is, hold on, I'll, I'll give it to you right here. I have it pulled up. It's crazy high. It is 14 points. That's high. And the early betting is on? Alabama. Alabama, 54% of bets are on Alabama. Just how do you bet against Alabama? Because it's don't. LSU at night. Yeah, you don't. I, I, I don't think you. I don't think at this point you could. That's a lot of points to give LSU at night. Um, but can you see a 35-17 game? Certainly. You know. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those 7-3 to low-scoring games that we're used to between those two teams. Alabama's offense is too potent. There's just no way to stop them from scoring 30-plus. So yeah. you got to assume that if you want it to cover, you got to assume LSU is going to score 30 points or more, and that's just not going to happen. Not with no. Joe Burrow. I, I'm not a big Joe Burrow fan. I think he's a no. good game manager, but I don't think he could win a football game if they fall behind, and, and they're definitely going to fall behind. So What about Nick Brissett? Nick Brissett has the most rushing touchdowns in the SEC right now. Can Nick you believe Brissett that? Nick Brissett was so average out of high school. Remember how average he was? He was? He was very average. He was like the guy, you know, LSU wanted, and he was supposed to be the next star for LSU. And the more we saw him, the more we were like, ugh. Just didn't yeah. have any speed or explosion. 
Yeah, you know, not there's like nothing really saw, super special. Yeah, yeah, we saw Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette, and we're like, wow, these are big running backs, physical. Brosette was a short guy, didn't really run that well. So he's done well, but I think he's going to be swallowed by the Alabama defense, honestly. That front yeah. line of Alabama, Quinn and Williams and those guys, that's a really impressive front line. And it is. It, they don't get yeah. the credit that the, the ones in the past have with Jonathan Allen and guys like that. Um, they should because I think the front four is very underrated. The linebackers are a little bit of a question mark. The secondary is young. But, you know, if your problem is defending the pass against LSU, you're okay. Yeah, You'll be you're fine. okay. Right. So let's go to Penn State, Iowa. What would you think? That's your team. Gutty. Yeah. I thought it was gutty. It, it was a gutty performance. Uh, I'm not entirely in in James Franklin's camp that Trace McSorley is the best p- college football player in no? the country. Really? She said. James Franklin said something that was kind of like outrageously exaggerated. <laughs> Over the top. That right. never happens. Um, I did think it was a gutty performance, though, because Iowa came in with a very, very good defense. Very good defense. Um, Nate Stanley has been putting up good numbers. Uh, they took Noah Fant basically out of the game. I thought that was impressive. Uh, gutty performance to win the game. Third straight week, the Nittany Lions have not covered the spread, though. That's that's surprising. Yeah, they're killing me. I'm in a pool where you just pick teams against the spread. Yeah. I'm winning by like four games overall throughout the season. But I've only won one week, and every week I pick Penn State to cover, and every week they don't. I don't know why. Yeah. Three That's weeks. your fault, I think. Well, the weather was not uh, optimal in State College. Usually, the one of the most the, the one of the prettiest towns in the country, especially this oh, time of year with the pretty. with the fall leaves. <laughs> You've been there, right? You kind of lived spent there for years, a while, right? Spent years there. Yeah, years. There's nothing really pretty about it. You know what's shocking is I grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, and in early November, it gets cold. In State College, it's like Siberia. It, it is amazing how different. It's very much like Connecticut there. It's very, very much, much colder than it was when, when I was growing up in NEPA. What's that, um, <laughs> what's that restaurant, that lube place? Lou? Lube? L-U-B-E. Oh, Quaker Steak and Lube. Yeah, I like that place. Yeah, that was a good place. Good. It's, yeah, out by Walmart. There's nothing else to do at Penn State except go there. There's plenty to do. You just, you, you just, when you go there for a Nike camp, you're there to work. But when you're there for four years, no, we you're there out. to... We went out oh, a couple okay. times. Those were during your wild times, I bet. Yeah, my crazy times. I won't even talk about the... <laughs> The adult entertainment bar we went to one night, which was just the worst experience of my entire life. Although that does beat the fact that I drove by Pittsburgh once and there was a drive-through strip club. A drive-through? Drive-through. You could drive up and get a, a dance. I've never seen that before in my life, and I'll never see it again. But that's in Pittsburgh. I don't know if I want to. For those people who want to go out to Pittsburgh in the middle of the night. It's a great place to go. So Trace McSorley showing his toughness. I mean, he's not the best player in college football, but he certainly is tough. I mean, he came back from that knee injury, ran yeah. that touchdown, 
Uh, Iowa is a good football team. I thought they would win this game. I thought they would run the table, go 11-1, and win the West. Now, the West is very interesting. Very Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern is, 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 is in the lead here. And they're not a good team. No, they're not, not very good. They're not very good. I think they're I think they're averaging like two point four yards per carry, which is just completely miserable. Um, for them to go and beat Wisconsin is Wisconsin on complete shame. Wisconsin's on shame for sure. Yeah, yeah, Wisconsin's on shame. But I think Northwestern loses at least their next two. Um, Notre Dame beats them at Iowa is going to be very tough. I think for the Wildcats. And then what becomes of that? Is it, uh, I don't even know where to go from there. I, I guess it would be, I don't know. I don't know what the West would look like then, but it doesn't matter. Whoever they, whoever wins the East is going to crush whoever wins the West. Maybe. We'll see. I'm still not sold on Ohio State's defense. I think they're really bad. I think Michigan's going to win the East. And then what happens? Then how do we complain about Jim Harbaugh when Michigan wins the East? No, we we start to celebrate him. That's what oh, we start doing. Oh, is that what doing. we do? Yeah. Even when they get, actually, I I've got them as one of my four playoff teams. I, I would love Ohio State. Then... Yeah, they're getting it. They're, they're, oh, they're definitely getting in if they went out. Um, I would love to see Ohio State play Purdue again in the uh, Big Ten championship, just so all of the people who say star rankings don't matter uh, can shut up. And because Ohio State would win that game probably by 35 points. So whoever did our JUCO rankings yes. in 2016 really okay. screwed up because Gardner Minshew had no stars. No stars, okay. Going to East Carolina originally and then ends up at Washington State. and He's a Heisman candidate. So another yeah. poor rankings job by Rivals.com. Yeah, originally from. I don't know. Uh, okay, so wait, wait a second here. Gardner Minshew was Hopefully a three-star quarterback. Hopefully, because that's you. He's from Brandon, Mississippi, who went to Troy, transferred out of Troy to JUCO, went to East Carolina, transferred from well, East Carolina to Washington. He had three State. stars as a high school quarterback. Yeah. And then no stars as a JUCO quarterback. And now his mustache is famous. Washington State, I thought they would lose because of a letdown. I was expecting a letdown situation. Yep, yep. They didn't. He put up another tremendous game. And here we are, looking at a Heisman candidate with no stars coming out of Juco. Is he third? Is he third on the Heisman list right now, Mike? I would say I put Etienne up above him. Just because I like what he does as a running back, you know, I don't know. I, I would put him fourth or fifth. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Kyler Murray is obviously number two. He's the only one who has a chance at Tua. Yeah. Tago Vailoa. I always screw that up, but whatever. T- yeah. Tango Vailoa. I know how you, you say it. What if LSU wins this weekend? Uh, does he drop? Uh, yeah, he does. Big time. Yeah. Because then you know he's going to have to turn He's have turned the ball over a couple times if he drops. Yeah. But yeah. my biggest thing is when is Trevor Lawrence getting on the Heisman list, the Heisman watch list? Yeah, I know. I think it's interesting. I think uh, I'm going to do a... one this week because I did one last week. 
and I think I'm going to put Trevor on it. Well, if it's a the Heisman continues to be an award, I think that we talk so much about, but not many people really care about. Um, and then I also think that uh, if it's does it go to the person with the best stats on the team that wins the most, or does it go to it's the best to player the in best college player, football? The most important player to their team. That's most important player to the team. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's an interesting uh, definition of Heisman because uh, that what, would be uh, Nick Fitzgerald. That's what our boy said. Mike Leach just said it. Okay. It's supposed to be the most important player to their team. So if that's the well, case, then Minshew should be a shoo-in. Yeah, Minshew should definitely be a shoo-in because I'm sure Clemson would still have this record if Kelly Bryant was the quarterback. Um, you know, I'm sure Alabama would probably have this record if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. Tate Martell would have led Ohio State to an undefeated season right now, so that wouldn't oh. be Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> See, I had last week I had two at number one and Kyler Murray number two, and then there's a huge, huge drop off. Huge. Yeah. What about Haskins? Haskins was fourth. Okay. After that Purdue game, he was exposed. Yeah. He can't handle pressure at all. He didn't look good against Penn State. He didn't look no. good against Purdue at all. Travis Thirty Etienne, touchdown passes though. I know. Travis Etienne was my number three guy. I had Haskins at number four, Gardner Minshew at number five, and then I had Rondell Moore at number six. Now, Purdue lost, as expected, to Michigan State. Yes. Purdue's not a real contender. I, I wrote in your no. take two, I was quoted as saying, and this is what, what I said, so i got to live up to it, that they're a bottom-dwelling Big Ten program. And people yes. got so ticked off. Does yes. anybody remember the Hazel years? <laughs> I mean, I looked at their record. They were 9-39 and 39 for three yes. years straight. Yes. In, nine, in three years, you put up a 9-39 and 39 record overall. You finish last every year. But yet they're not a bottom-dwelling Big Ten team because they beat Ohio State. Purdue fans the are, last, like, delusional. The last time Purdue has had 10 wins in a season was... 1979. <laughs> but yet they're not a bottom-dwelling Big Ten team. Joe Tiller never got them to 10 wins, and that was during the Drew Brees years. Right. They so just, I don't want to hear good. about it. No. So, no, and, of course and, and not. State with Rocky Lombardo, or Lombardi or whatever, his first start ever yeah. goes out and beats them. And Michigan State looked like garbage against Michigan, like absolute garbage, hot garbage, I might add. So, I mean, they rebound and they beat Purdue, no problem. So, Rondell Moore's off my list now. Gardner Minshew's probably moving up a little bit. Trevor Lawrence has got to be on the top five or six in the nation when it comes to uh, Heisman. He's got to be. Yeah, I, yeah he's got to be. He has to be. And As a true his numbers, freshman, which is amazing. Yeah, and his numbers will continue to uh, get better and better. I think he's at 16 touchdowns, two interceptions right now. Um, and I don't think Louisville is going to do much against Clemson's offense uh, this weekend. So let's put him at 20 and 2, and that's that, That's getting him in the conversation of 2 or 3 on the Heisman list, I think. Did you watch the Florida State game at all? Yes, I watched almost all of it. That was the early game for me. Um, Did you see the mile per hour 
per pass. Yes, he, he he throws a 60.1 or something like that. Unbelievable. Yeah, better than Goff, better than uh, anybody in the NFL, I think. You see how quick his release is? Yeah, it's, I, I it's know, like 0.7 I know. seconds. What about this? What about Willie Taggart, who's making millions of dollars, saying that players quit on the football team? They did. Yeah. They did. They quit. I know. I mean, that game was disgusting. If I'm a Florida State fan, I realize my team is three years away from competing for the ACC. Three years. Yeah, but you're, but Florida State fans don't realize that. They think they should have beaten Clemson on Saturday. Well, they're crazy. Yeah. Because that is a bad football team that didn't care, that has no weapons, and has the worst offensive line I've seen probably in 20 years. Two things, though, Mike. One is Cam Akers is, you know, maybe, you know, when he was in high school, you know, respected people that had followed Mississippi high school football for their entire lives were comparing this guy to the next Walter Payton. Yep. They were saying, we, we were considering him uh, to be the number one player, uh, number two player in the country after Trevor Lawrence. We had him number three. Yeah, we no, had him we number had three. we had Najee Harris number one that year. Yeah, it was two yeah. years ago. So I'm sorry. Nine, I'm sorry. It was two years ago. Number one. Yes. Cam Akers yes. number three. Yeah, and, and there were people that were very heated about that and thought yeah. that he was the best player. Yeah. And this kid, and and this is no criticism of his. It's completely that offensive line or the play calling or not being able to. He can't do anything. He has. He's averaging 58 yards a, a game. He has three touchdowns all season. Jacquez Patrick has one touchdown all season. So it's just hard to believe. Now, now, okay, this is Jimbo. Okay, I get Jimbo gave up on the team last year. But there, there's a new sheriff in town. He's been in town for a long time now. And people still don't care. So no. these, you know, this, I don't know if this is uh, not buying into Taggart or the players just aren't very good and don't care. But I, I find it hard to believe that the players just simply don't care because these were very talented players in high school. Maybe not along the offensive line, but at every other position. So well, they, they don't care after they fall down 30 to nothing. Yeah. That's but why are they falling down 30 to nothing? That's well, the problem. Well, because they're just outclassed. I mean, the, the offensive line was horrible. DeAndre Francois, Francois was on the ground yeah. every, every time play. he stepped back, every time yeah. he dropped back. It yeah. was just disgusting. And I don't know. Taggart's not the guy that's going to figure this out. I'm sorry. I'm going on record right now and saying this is not the guy that's going to turn your team around. He's going to be fired within two years. You know, like next year he'll have another year and they'll stink. And then the following year they'll stink and then they'll get rid of him. And then they'll have to bring yeah. in someone else to fix this program because this program is an embarrassment or awful. Syracuse yeah. would beat him. Boston College would beat him. NC State would beat him. I mean, we're talking about teams in their own division that aren't very good football programs, that are average football programs that would beat them. I think. Yeah, I in, mean, Syracuse in, in a straight up game. Syracuse beat them by twenty three earlier this season. Virginia Tech held them to a field goal. Miami, who looks like a god awful football team, uh, beat them. You know, I mean, you know, they go to NC State, they go to Notre Dame, Boston College, Florida. Is this a team that rebounds from this? And NC State is, is, is obviously fake news. They're, they're no good. But going to Notre Dame in two weeks, that could get ugly. You know, Losing to Florida is going to be an embarrassment. So Well, they're going um, to lose to NC State. NC State yeah. has been faltering for sure. But they're going to lose at NC State. 
They'll lose at Notre Dame in a bad way. They'll lose to Boston College and they'll lose to Florida. So what does that make them this season? They're four and four right now. That's a four and what eight season. We talked about this last. Uh, we talked about this last week, and I just get tired of coaches <clears throat> who are millionaires like Jeremy Pruitt coming out and being like. You know, one recruiting class, I, I, I'm going to get the right 25 guys. No, you're not. You're going to get average guys that don't want to go to Alabama or Alabama doesn't want. Uh, Florida State, guys quit on the football team. Well, it's your responsibility to make sure that they don't quit. Well, there'll be changes next week. What about when, when Clemson keeps running it up on you, scores 59? I mean, at some point, someone has to ask, why, aren't the, why don't you know who's quitting on this football team and get them the hell out of the game right then? Yeah. Tiger says we're going to find the guys that quit. Well, it doesn't yeah, take okay. the film to watch it. Pretty much <laughs> I know. 100% of your team quit. So Yeah, exactly. Everybody quit. Right. So they're just an embarrassment. I don't think I've seen Florida State be this bad. I know they've been bad over the last many years. You know, the end of the Bowden era, they were really bad. Their defense was yeah. horrible. Last year they were really bad, but this is the worst I've seen Florida State. I mean, their wins this year are versus Samford, Northern Illinois, and Louisville, which is a horrible football team, and they somehow beat Wake Forest, which I thought Wake Forest would win that game, honestly. But they're going to go 4-8. and eight. Their bowl streak is over. It's been since the Ronald Reagan era that they've been in a bowl game, and it's over. I mean, there's just no way this season they're going to get to a bowl game. I just don't see how this could be a 10-win team two years ago. Uh, 10, year, 10 wins the season before that. 13 wins the year before that. An undefeated season a year before that. And the national championship, 12 the year well, before that. And in one year... When your coach gives up on you, when, he, yeah, when, I don't when know. your coach quits, you quit. There's yeah, but this is a new coach. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they, they, they just, they're used to quitting. They're used to giving up. Mm. I, I mean, know. they've lost to some bad teams. They lost to Virginia Tech, who just got smoked by Georgia Tech. They lost to Syracuse. I know they're six and two, but they're not a good football team. They lost no. thirty Florida to State. seven to Syracuse. Yeah, and, and that was another situation. And I watched that game where it seemed like no one on the field gave a damn about what was going on. They just kind of three and out, let it roll off, walk yeah. off the field, punt. Care. Yeah. And then they lost to Miami, but Miami <laughs> is obviously not the team we expected. I think. Miami's recruiting is going to take a hit this year with this season. This is not a good yeah. season. They're 5-3 and three overall. They're 2-2 two and two in the conference. They're done when it comes to competing for the Coastal pretty much. Um, this is going to hurt their recruiting because they were recruiting really well. But when you have this year where Virginia and Virginia Tech and Pitt are ahead of you <laughs> yeah. um, and you're losing to inferior football teams like Boston College, just not good. He's, yeah. Look at BC, number two in the Atlantic Division. How about that? It's pretty impressive, but that's probably where they finish. All they do <laughs> is run. That's yeah. All they do is run the ball. And, and, and you know what? Uh, and A.J. Dillon is very, very good, and they actually do throw it. I mean, Anthony Brown, I think, has 15, 16 touchdown passes this year. They, they've scored more points than – they've scored 75 more points almost than NC State. They've scored 140, 138 more points than Florida State. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's, it's just mind-boggling. But BC has it is. Three, 304 points. NC, uh, I mean, uh, Florida State has a, what, 
186. 186. 186. That's it's only better than Louisville, which is a disaster. Yeah. North Carolina, which is just yeah. an absolute. I mean, they got they got to get rid of Fedora at North Carolina, right? Yeah, I think this would be the time to cut ties. This is not working out. Uh, they are uh, an, an awful, awful football team. They're they're they might be the worst team in the conference. I mean, Louisville's pretty damn bad too, but they might be the worst team in the conference. That's that's saying something. So more shame. Florida really disappointed me. I thought they would be better against yeah. Georgia, especially defensively. So. That was a big loss for them. I'm not sure where they go from here. Their schedule isn't that bad moving forward. Um, but 4-2 and two in conference, 6-2 and two overall. No chance to win the SEC East. They got Missouri, South Carolina, Idaho, and Florida State. So they should probably run the table. But yeah. I don't know. Is this a good year for Florida if they finish it? You know, 10-2? and 10-2. and two. I mean, it, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great, but yeah, losing to Georgia the way they did too. I mean, Georgia dominated that game in the second half. I thought I, you know, and and losing to Kentucky. So I mean, your two losses are to the teams playing for the SEC's championship, basically. But it's you know, you you beat at LSU, you went back to your place and beat Mississippi State, you crushed Tennessee, but it still feels a little hollow because um, you know I lived in Gainesville too. Jesus, I'm really a nomad. I've been everywhere. Uh, the expectation there is to really uh, win the SEC East and compete for SEC championships every year. So the rise of Georgia and kind of the emergence of Kentucky this year, we'll see if it's a sustained rise for Kentucky. I can't see that happening. Just the way recruiting works, Florida and Georgia should be dominating that division. Um, it's a little hollow of a 10-2. and two. So they'll get some sort of really nice bowl and, and get something out of it. And they'll move on from 10-2 and two and... Maybe get Trey Sanders, and they'll be eleven and one next year. But it's still a little bit hollow of a of a ten and two. Well, the SEC itself is bad. I mean, look at these teams. Yeah, it's very top heavy. It's much like well, Georgia, uh, Alabama, LSU, and that's it. Kentucky, Kentucky's five and one in conference, seven and one overall. Yeah. Then after that, it's just like. Meh, six and two, five and three, five and three, five and three, five and three. The SEC is a little bit overrated, and that could be a little bit of purging each other. Um, but you know, as I've watched this these games, because you know I have no life, and I watch every game on Saturday while juggling a baby. Um, you know, Drew Locke has been relatively disappointing this season. I think that that offense is not humming along. Vanderbilt's. Decent, okay football team, but obviously they're Vanderbilt. Tennessee is bad. South Carolina has been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, Texas A&M, Jimbo's a little too conservative for his own good. When they, I'm watching Texas A&M Mississippi State Saturday night before we went to the trunk or treat. And, uh, you know, they have the ball late in the first half. Kellen Mond's throwing it down. He's got these huge receivers on the outside. Mississippi State's guys are getting pass interference after pass interference. Then they stop. They stop doing it. They they stop throwing the ball. They're they're very conservative. Um, Auburn is a bad football team. Mississippi State's defense is very good, but you know Nick Fitzgerald runs for two touchdowns, throws for two touchdowns, and still looks <laughs> like an awful quarterback, which He's is horrible. amazing. Which is amazing. He has six touchdowns, seven interceptions on the year. That's and and they're five and three. 
But he wouldn't. They've only given up a, A&M easily. They've only given up 108 points all year. It's, That's amazing. It's so easy to game plan for Mississippi State's offense. Yeah, and Texas yeah. A&M couldn't figure it out how to do it. Yeah. Mississippi's bad defense, Arkansas is a disaster right now. So, uh, yeah, it's not a very, very good league. I think it's incredibly top-heavy. You take those top four, everybody else is kind of average. So where do you put things in the ACC right now? I mean, Clemson is obviously the winner, but the Coastal is a joke. Virginia is number one. Yeah, and, and Virginia, you know, has not gotten the respect that they deserve. Uh, as as I've been kind of following it, um, Bronco well, they finally Mendenhall. made the top twenty five. Yeah, uh, Bryce Perkins is a very tricky quarterback to deal with because he can run and throw. He's one of the top fantasy scorers in the in the country. Mike, that might be a nice pickup for you. Yeah, my I, I've given up on my season. So oh, okay. I okay. Suck. Yeah, um, but you know, beating Miami and holding them to thirteen points was a nice win. Beating you know. As stupid as it sounds, going to Duke could be difficult sometimes. There's 15 people in the stands, but Duke is well coached. So going there and, and winning by two touchdowns was impressive. Um, but this isn't a good football team. I mean, they went to Indiana and lost. They went to NC State and lost by two scores. It could have been five. Um, but but where do they lose from here? Maybe at Georgia Tech. I don't think they lose at Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech's not a Pitt? very good football team. No, no, they're not losing a pit. They got Pitt, Liberty, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. Liberty is that Jerry Falwell's school? I don't think he's, yeah, they're going to lose to. I don't think they're going to lose to old Liberty there. So I don't. I don't be buy in Pitt. The game against Clemson. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thinking, and that would be the hope because if it's Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's defense is awful. So. <laughs> well, that hurts that would be Clemson odd. a little bit. I mean, I know if they run the table, they're in, but won't matter. Let it won't. No. You don't think Clemson could lose to Boston College or somebody? I mean, Cle- oh, oh, if Clemson loses and then lose wins one the game ACC, and then have to win the ACC against Virginia. I mean, it's not impressive at all. Yeah, they take then they take Oklahoma because well, one of the the things that I disagree with most is when you lose. I mean, that is the dumbest thing that I've ever thought of or heard in my life. Well, that's because that, of the polls. Uh, I mean, that's the why, way it is. Why is it more impressive? To lose early. To go, to lose early and then win 10. Then to win 10 and lose one. That's just the way the polls work. I mean, if there weren't polls, you wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, I know. But the polls, that's, they, they react every week to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I know. And I they know. react stupidly. I mean, nobody pays attention. Whoever's voting for the polls, they don't pay attention at all. Is the top four for sure uh, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, LSU 4? Is that no, the way? I think it's, it's got to be Michigan 4. LSU's no, out? Well, I think if you're talking about Tuesday night, yeah, then that's fine. LSU can be 4. But yeah, once they lose to matter. Alabama, yeah. I think the way things shake out based on the schedule I'm looking at, Alabama's in, Clemson's going to be in, Notre Dame's going to be in because I don't see anybody beating them. Right. And then it's going to be Michigan, I think. I think they beat Ohio State and they get they get in. LSU will be eliminated after this weekend once they lose to Alabama. That'll be the end of them. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as Tuesday, yeah, I could see LSU being four. 
Is there an air raid siren going off somewhere? Yeah, you Are hear we that? being attacked by the North Koreans? Or... You hear that? That's good. What is that? What is That's it? That's my uh, local fire department. <laughs> There's a fire somewhere. Boy. I can't believe you guys can hear that. You're just you're you're a podcast producer's dream, Mike, with all the background noise going on. <laughs> well, I you can't are help it amazing. If there's a fire. What am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> Let's see who else is on shame. Oh, I yeah. I, I got off my shame page. Iowa I put on shame because they should have won that football game. Come on, let's talk to let's talk to Link about if Lincoln Riley's going to go to the Browns. Oh yeah, we can talk about that. Hugh Jackson just got fired. They're going to put an interim coach in there. The same day Hugh Jackson gets fired, Urban Meyer says he's coming back to coach the Buckeyes. Do you think that's okay. coincidence? I, I well, I think there's been, you know, behind the scenes. Now I have no idea if this is true or not, but. That the administration and Urban don't see eye to eye. He never felt that he should have been suspended for the Zach Smith stuff that was going on preseason. And we have to be careful about how we word everything, obviously, here. Um, but there was some speculation and some people started writing it. And, and the, the floodgates were opening that how things were play, how played out at Florida were how they were starting to be playing out at Ohio State this season. And he was going to be gone after this season and all those kinds of things. I don't buy it. We'll, he'll be back on the field next year. They lost to Purdue, and it was like, Ohio State has so many problems. They have, oh, my God, the, the amount of problems they have on that football team. And, and it's just, I don't know. I don't see him going to the NFL. I don't see him being that kind of guy. Uh, he loves recruiting too much. Um, he's a college football coach. I think going to the NFL would be a mistake. He's too hands-on. Um, but well, Lincoln he's Riley. Always, he's always linked with that Brown shop. The the interesting the actually the interesting thing <clears throat> that ha- had been floated that I could see possibly happening is if Brian Kelly goes to the NFL that Notre Dame job is always the job he wanted that was always the dream job and if he went to from Ohio State to Notre Dame that would be very very interesting but oh, well I, that's I, not gonna happen I, obviously because Brian Kelly is very safe no if he goes to the NFL Brian Kelly. Oh, I think he's. I think he learned his lesson. Remember yeah. when he lost recruits interviewing? What was it for the Eagles job? Uh, yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, do, he was doing he that, that I trick. I think he learned his lesson. I don't think he's going to do that anymore. <laughs> but what about Lincoln Riley? So Baker Mayfield would be his quarterback. Yeah. He he would have years to make that offense work in his favor. He has a great. He would have a great defense in Cleveland. The expectations would be incredibly low. Um, I think that would be an interesting move if Lincoln Riley would want to do it. Yeah, and there's a lot of money to be thrown out there. Yeah. No doubt about it. Oklahoma's going to have to pony up, and that's the way you play leverage. So I don't know if Lincoln Riley is ready to be an NFL football coach. I mean, I think he's a good college coach. He's still very, very young. And dealing with those pro guys and their all their issues that they have, not easy at all. But... You know, when you talk about Baker Mayfield and you talk about Lincoln Riley, you talk about the relationship that they have there. Uh, I'm sure Baker Mayfield would love to have him as his head coach. It's going to be something that people are going to use against Oklahoma in recruiting big time. They've yeah, used I think it for years against yeah. other coaches. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if Cleveland thinks that Lincoln Riley is the next Sean McVay, 
Is he the next Kyle Shanahan? And and that's definitely 1A and 6B because yeah. Sean McVay is a, a genius at San coaching Francisco's football. San Francisco's not really doing it. Yeah, San Francisco's not exactly there yet. Um, but San Francisco also doesn't have Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, and Aaron Donald. But um, is, is he the next Sean McVay? Is he, is he an offensive genius, innovator, kind of just one of the most special people that have coached the game in a long time. And I'll say that about Sean McVay. Uh, Or is he just kind of the next guy with some sort of offense that works in the Big 12 but would not work in the NFL? So we'll see. I I think they're going to go all in on him. Why not? I mean, you're the Cleveland Browns. It can't get much worse. Um, So uh, it'll be interesting to see. It'll It'll be interesting to see if Lincoln Riley has any interest in it. Lincoln Riley said today, I knew that was coming when he was asked about the Browns job. The truth is for me, I love Oklahoma. I love coaching here. I love coaching college football. I certainly don't have that itch right now. Now, we know coaches are complete, absolute liars. Yes. It's already being addressed, and he's denying it. Does that mean anything? Absolutely not. It means nothing. Uh, You know. Look at what Nick Saban did with the Dolphins. Look at what coaches have done time and time again. Of course, they're not going to come out and say anything until they're on a plane somewhere. Um, so, even you know, you have to ask the question, but you know exactly what the answer is going to be. So, uh, I think Lincoln Riley has has a great situation at Oklahoma. He has to beat one, maybe two teams a year to get to the college football playoff. But you know. He's been to the playoff. That itch has been scratched. Uh, maybe a new challenge is ahead of him. He's only, I think, thirty-five years old. Um, so, is the uh, is the you know can a situation be better than the Browns though? And that sounds stupid, but he's got a situation where the defense is young and very good, and the offense, the quarterback of the future is guaranteed to know his offense. He's most comfortable running his offense. And that's the way that the NFL is going. I mean, they're going to much more of those guys. There's no doubt about it. So uh, it, it's almost like it, it, it's it's hard to turn that down because if you ever want a coach in the NFL, will there be a situation that arises where you get a guy from Oklahoma that is incredibly talented like Baker Mayfield and knows you, and knows the offense. You're not coming in and teaching Eli Manning your offense. You're coming in and teaching the guy who you already taught the offense to. It seems like a, a perfect situation, really. Did you see Matt Colburn at uh, Wake Forest, his revenge game against Louisville? Did you hear about that? No. What did he do? So he was a commit to Louisville for a very long time, and then they dropped him like three days before signing day. Didn't hmm. have room for him. He ends up in Wake Forest, and he just dropped 243 yards and three touchdowns (laughs) on the Cardinals. I love this. This cracks me up so much. Yeah, I don't know why I love it so much, but when kids do you love it for the kid, or do you love it because it happened to Bobby Petrino? No, it's not Petrino. Petrino is a horrible coach. I mean, Ellis Louisville needs to really make a change there, and obviously Jeff Brom is the guy. And Your article last week about Brom oh. really got a lot of negativity. People were, that, right? people were definitely triggered. Very upset. 
very upset. I mean, Jeff Brom is the hope in West Lafayette. Jeez. Well, they think it's a lateral move going to Louisville. And I know Louisville stinks now, but Louisville has competed for stuff before. Yeah. You know, they're 2-6 and six this year, 0-5 in conference. They're horrible. And Petrino needs to get fired. But when's the last time Purdue competed for anything in the Big Ten? Oh, n- never. Since like, Joe, Joe Tiller years. Since 100 years ago. Yeah. But people were really upset that you would even mention that. But uh, Coburn's a guy that, you know, a typical example of one of those guys who got dropped, process, processed as we call it. Processed, and, yes. You know, decided to come back and get his revenge. And It's kind of funny to see. I don't have a problem with teams processing kids, honestly. Because I think you have to do what's best for your football team. And if you realize that a kid's not a fit for your offense and you took them early and you regret that decision, you should dump them. You, you are, you, you're the worst. Because if a, ki- if a kid decommits from a school, yeah. he's tagged as the biggest jerk and, and he's given up on his team and this, that, whatever else. But if a coach does it, no problem at all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm pro-coach. <laughs> it's a business. You could drop. Well, kids. it's a business. It's a business for the kid too. No, it's not a business for the kids. The kids are just—they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they just commit, like, oh my god, I had a great weekend. I hooked up with some girls and had a couple of great parties, and I'm going to commit. But, yeah. But I still got a top ten. You know. Yeah. They, they, come on. At least yeah. with the coaches, they don't do it that often either. I mean, this is a rare story. How often do you see kids processed every year? Handful no, you, of times. Well, Alabama did it to a kid while he was committing on stage. Yeah, well, he hadn't communicated with them in what, like three weeks? Yeah, that that, that is also too. Like, you can't just blame the coaches or the kid. There's a lot of uh, lack of communication as this process goes on. And it's weird because usually as recruiting goes on throughout the year, the communication should get better and things should be smoother and people yeah, should learn from other people's you, mistakes. If you haven't heard from a coach in like three weeks, yeah, you, you, you got to know, know something's up. Especially yeah. when you're reaching out to the coach and they're not responding. you got to learn how to take a hint. Yeah. There yeah. were a few times at the Army Bowl, I remember kids wanted to commit to schools and they were all set to commit on the air and the schools finally reached out to them and said, don't do it. Because we're not taking your commitment. Yeah, I remember those those years. Uh, those the the years you loved being on TV. Those were the best years, Mike. Oh. Those were those were the the primo years. But it would be yeah. I uh, I want this hat on the on the on the thing. And okay, when have you talked to him? Well, I haven't. And then okay, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's the way it works. I don't know how we got into that conversation, but the I don't know how we, thing. How we went there. Ah, the Coburn thing kind of intrigued me a little bit. So yeah. let's see who else is on shame, and then we can finish this up. Oregon, what happened? Shame. Is is Justin Herbert the next John Elway or Andrew, Andrew Luck, or is he not now? I, I'm confused. Well, Andrew Luck's not very good. No, <laughs> that's true. He's just too. not very good. I'm sorry. People keep talking about him like he's good. I'm waiting for him to be good. Oregon is definitely on shame. You know, you don't. You just don't walk into Tucson and get a win. But uh, uh, that was a joke. Uh, they're they're a bad football team. They they did not care at all. Arizona is not very good. Khalil Tate is not allowed to run the football anymore, and still they got blown out. 
And what's with Pac-12 quarterbacks getting benched? Jake Browning? Luke Falk last year? Yeah, that was definitely a weird one. Uh, Something's up at Washington, and I don't know what it is, but for Cal to hold them to to such a poor performance, Miles Gaskin, I think, has five touchdowns all season. Um, He's been banged up. Yeah. Bryce Love's been banged up, too. I think he has three touchdowns all season. Oh, he's been horrible. Well, yeah, talk about a bad good. decision coming back. Yeah, I mean, he's that's... filled his stock. I know. I know. You wonder where he ends up now. Um, he just does not seem to have the same burst that he used to have. The offensive line's not bad. I, I just don't get it. Um, and the, and, their, and Stanford's passing game is decent, so I, I just don't get why uh, Bryce Love can't get any room. But... Yeah, uh, Jake Browning gets benched, and it seemed like he and Br- and Peterson had at least a little back and forth on the sideline there. Um, and then I think the kid who came in threw a pick six right away, so nice. that wasn't exactly good yeah, either. But uh, yeah, uh, the the they Pac-12 suck. is not a good football league. If we you go up and down that league, it's it's there's I mean there's not really a good team in the conference. And speaking of the Pac-12, Clay Helton's got to be the, the top of the hot seat list, right? You would think so. I mean, he did play as third-string quarterback and almost won the game. But, I mean, you know you know what has to make him the most upset is that everyone knew JT Daniels wasn't going to play all week. He was in the concussion protocol. They, they had a sense that he wasn't going to be on the field. The defense, did they rev up and gear up for the, the vaunted Arizona State passing attack of Manny Wilkins to Nikhil Harry and Eno Benjamin running out of the backfield? No. They gave up points. They blew it. They showed no will. Nikhil Harry beat Iman Marshall for one of the nicest catches that you'll ever see. It's just, there was like 15 people in the stands. It was, it's, that's, that's just not a football program that's going in the right direction. No, he's got to go. And Wisconsin, not that Chris has to go or anything like that, but remember when they were a playoff contender? Yeah. Now look at them. That was bad. That was bad. And Hornybrook didn't play. And, and I was like, maybe, maybe Hornybrook. Yeah, Hornibrook, even next. still, yeah. Jack Cohn played, right? Jack Cohn, Long Island's finest, right? Right. Yeah. Didn't do uh, well. They'll get back on the, schnot, on, the winning, on the winning side this weekend against the Scarlet Knights coming to, coming yeah. to Madison. Um, but yeah, Northwestern is not a very good football team and losing by two touchdowns, giving 31 points to Northwestern is, is embarrassing in itself. So I, you know, I think Paul Christ falls into the category of what Jim Harbaugh had been for a couple years is his offense is so conservative that any slight mistake that's, that's, that happens during the game comes back to bite you. Even if you have better players, it comes back to bite you. And, and Harbaugh has gotten away from that this year, and look what's happened. Let the players make plays. Let them go out and make plays. All they do is run the ball. The wide receivers hardly run their routes. You know, It's like these are 18- and 19-year-old kids that are incredibly athletic and want to make plays, and they're just out there running the ball. And I get, I, I love smash-mouth football, and that could be part of it, but also part of it has to be involving others in your offense in Wisconsin – Got that lesson learned to them this week. All right, let me finish with what's on the front page of Rivals.com. Bobby Wolf is decommitted from Texas A&M for the second time. Second time? But they, they processed him this time. This is a process mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, my amazing three-point stance is up there where I talk about Trevor Lawrence being a legend in the making as we're talking yes. about a player that if you have a chance to watch in college football, you can 
take advantage of that because he's going to be a, a legend in the NFL. College football playoff, who's making a case for the Final Four? Obviously, Tuesday night, come up with the final, I mean, the top uh, college playoff rankings, finally. Week in commits, Midwest Spotlight, best two-team recruiting battles. Longest tenured five stars by Woody Womack was kind of interesting because Kenny Bigelow is on there, who's been around since 2013. Mm. Um, that's an old five-star right there, and he's playing for West Virginia after numerous injuries. Yeah. USC. He's doing well. He's having a good year, but I'm not sure if he's going to be drafted. And then Adam Gorney's quarterbacks to watch for Week 10. He's got my boy Kellamond on there, I see. No, he doesn't. No, that's Nick, Nick Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald on there. That's horrible. Nick Fitzgerald. Nick They're Fitzgerald playing Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech can't stop the run. You got Eric Dungy on there who almost got benched. That's See, you got to take your shots. Haskins. Tobias Oliver is the best pickup. Zero percent owned. No one owns him. Not one single person. So pick him up he in your fantasy. Ball, what, three times a game. It doesn't matter. He ran for two hundred and forty yards and three touchdowns against Virginia Tech's defense. And Bud Foster, wow, he's not uh he's not really putting together the best unit this year, huh? No. And Georgia Tech is hard to figure out. Really yeah, hard to they figure are. out. They, they stink are. in some games. Other games are good. So, I don't know. The ACC right. is a mess, an absolute mess. So, yeah, that's it. I don't think there was anything – there was nothing, like, controversial to talk about. I mean, DJ Durkin didn't get fired. How, okay, let's that. talk Let's talk briefly about that because that, that is right up the wheelhouse of this podcast. He's showing horror movies, drills being put into eyes, Rams bucking heads with – Bronco Bucks or whatever. I don't even know what to say. During breakfast, what the hell is going on there? I mean, what is this? I don't know. I have no idea why he's doing any of the things he's doing. But <laughs> And his team does, stinks. His team's way better fired? under Matt Canada. How does he not get fired? Uh, you, you really do wonder. Like, It's not exactly like this guy is uh, Vince Lombardi either. Just get rid of him. I don't know. It's been months too. Months. Yeah, it it's making Maryland look like like the biggest bunch of clowns uh, ever. Uh, why why this is going on? I mean, what who who the hell does he think he is? Drills being put into eyeballs that's going to motivate nineteen year old players to be better football players. That is, uh, just, just please get rid of him as soon as possible. Rid him of this from from this great sport of ours. Yeah, I mean, it's been talked about to get rid of everybody. Good. The athletic director, the president, everybody, just start fresh. How is it that when players, college kids are eating breakfast, that they have to be forced to watch uh, uh, animals eating other animals? I mean, (laughs) how ridiculous is that? I mean, that's insane. This isn't Guantanamo Bay. (laughs) It's pretty amazing, man. I was waiting for that to come down this week so we could talk about it. All right, your playoff four prediction. Who 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 makes it in right now? Uh, for Tuesday to the ranking or to Tuesday? To the ranking. Oh, Alabama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, LSU four. That's what I. They know. covered they cover their butt because uh, 
They know Alabama has to play LSU, so yep. the winner is or the loser's out. Michigan's in. Right. That's what's going to happen exactly. Yeah. I agree with you. I have nothing else. We can end this, Dave. Okay, I think we're All done. Right. I'll, I'll do my job then and remind everybody of our Twitter handles <laughs> at RivalsMike, at Adam Gorney, and at RealDaveBerry. We will see everybody again next week.